Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for worshiping with us today, both here in person and online. Uh, please stand and worship with us this morning. the days of Elijah, declaring the word of the Lord. And these are the days of your servant Moses, righteousness being restored. And though these are days of great trials, of famine and darkness and sword, still we are the voice in the desert, crying, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Behold, he comes, riding on the clouds, shining like the sun, at the trumpet call, lift your voice. It's the year of Jubilee, and out of science hill salvation everyone. Good to see you this morning on this chilly, rainy morning. 
And if you're joining us online, we'd also like to say welcome. We're delighted that you've joined us this morning for our worship service. A few things to uh, cover with you this morning. As you know, we are meeting in, in person, and those online may not know that, but we are a gathering. But I want to let you know that we are, as a board and the leadership team at Belleville First, we are very sensitive to and conscious of, of the, the uh, widespread and the increasing cases of, of COVID. So we will do our best to be prudent and to be wise about our gathering uh, but as we know, we have a small group here uh, in person, so I think we're adequately, more than adequately, socially distanced. And, distanced. and uh, those of you online, again, we say welcome to you. But we will continue to monitor the situation. Uh, fortunately, our governor still deems churches as essential. And that's an understatement, isn't it? Church being essential. Amen. Amen. A few other things to announce this morning. We are resuming our Kid City as well as Toddler Children's Church. Uh, nursery is being provided as needed as well. Church Christmas decorating this evening at, at 5 p.m. I understand we're going to maybe scale our decorations down just a little bit uh, this, this, uh, this year, this Christmas season. But if you can come out and lend a hand tonight at 5 p.m., that would be fantastic. Prayer and Bible study. Tuesday evening at 6.30, and that will be online only or, or virtually, uh, Zoom, Zoom prayer and Bible study. The Advent uh, books, just a reminder, those are still available, and we would encourage you to uh, get a book, to purchase a book. Kathy Dothager has the books, or $6 each. And then Dwight, starting next Sunday, will begin a series that coordinates with those Advent books and those Advent lessons. So would encourage you to, if you haven't already, gotten your Advent book. We do uh, are still collecting for Restore Network Christmas gift cards. You can give those to Tricia, or for a small fee, you can give them to me, and I will get them to Tricia. So I know that uh, we, we're close to our goal, but we still could use a few more, and I think we have another... I think it's the first Sunday in December, the 6th, so we have a couple more weeks if you have, have not yet uh, provided a gift card, if you'd like to do that. As I said, we plan to continue to meet in person as well as online, and um, are you glad to be in church this morning? Amen, amen. We will also be uh, collecting our thank offering or our, our, our offering for the World Evangelism Fund. And we'll be doing that today. And if you can still, if you would like to still mail in a check or drop a check off, you certainly can do that as well. That's all I have this morning. But we do have a video again uh, today that is related to our thank offering. Nazarene Missions is a movement of God through the people of God. This movement is funded through the generous, sacrificial giving of people and churches throughout the world. World Evangelism Giving is the foundation for discovering, developing, and resourcing our missions organization and has enabled the Church of the Nazarene to spread the good news of Jesus Christ to unreached people and places. 
It is the cornerstone of our denomination's missional funding, with the largest portion of giving going to missions work in the Nazarene regions. These funds enable the regions to effectively implement church planting and discipleship strategies through local churches and ministries. Every church and individual in our denomination participates with their financial contributions to world evangelism, binding us together with a unified purpose and vision. Because of your giving, the Church of the Nazarene is able to develop and sustain worldwide communication, technology support, and new mission programs. All Nazarene missionaries, regardless of deployment status, benefit from the mission's foundation created by World Evangelism Giving. Each missionary receives support, such as funding, insurance, and missionary care. Nazarene Missions International, Nazarene Youth International, Work and Witness, Global Missions, and many other ministries are supported by World Evangelism Giving. Independently funded ministries like Nazarene Compassionate Ministries, Jesus Film Harvest Partners, and World Mission Broadcast also benefit from the infrastructure it sustains. Through your giving, new churches worldwide are able to make an impact in their community. Those funds also train and equip pastors and church leaders in these churches. Pastors like Rafi, who fulfilled his call to ministry after escaping war-torn Syria. Today, Rafi and his mother Lena have started two Arabic-speaking churches in Poland. Your giving funds clergy development and ordination in the Church of the Nazarene and makes holiness education available worldwide through Nazarene institutions of higher education. Your giving provides resources and literature in more than 90 languages to churches all over the world. This includes resources for pastors and Bible-based teaching materials for children, youth, and adults. Because of your giving, schools like the Armstrong Primary School in Côte d'Ivoire are impacting their community. School children are being taught Christian values and the students and their families are being reached for the Lord. In Mark 12, we see the beautiful example of a widow giving abundantly. Jesus calls his disciples and points her out as the one who gave the most, because she gave all. Our focus is not on how much we give. We give because we believe in a missional God who is at work through our Nazarene missionaries, reaching places and people we can't even imagine. We believe in a God who moves, and that belief, deeply seated in our hearts, moves us to give. We are a global church, a generous church, participating in the transformational love of Jesus Christ in our local communities. Together, through our world evangelism giving, we share Christ's love with the world. We do encourage you to um, plan to participate this morning. And I can't believe an old guy like me caught this. But you don't even have to drop a check off anymore. You can actually give online. So, and if you found us today for the first time and you're worshiping with us, you can also fill out a, a card online uh, and let us know who you are. And we'd appreciate knowing you as we move forward. We are happy to be in the Lord's house this day, and it's good to see you and to be with those of you who are joining us from the comfort of your living room. Our 
having a cup of coffee at the table in the kitchen. All those are conducive to us coming before the Lord. Let's do that now. Father, we come to you this day in acknowledgement of your presence with us. We are grateful that we have received the gift of salvation, that you have sought us and redeemed us and enabled us to continue as followers of your Son, becoming more and more and more like him. That is our goal, individually and as a church. So this day, open your word to us, open our hearts through music, and open each of us to being receptive to your Spirit speaking to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our reading this morning comes from Proverbs 24. We're going to read verses 3 through 9. By wisdom, a house is built. And by understanding, it is established. By knowledge, the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. Wise warriors are mightier than strong ones. And those who have knowledge than those who have strength. For by wise guidance can you wage your war, and in the abundance of counselors there is victory. Wisdom is too high for fools, and the gate they do not open their mouths. Whoever plans to do evil will be called a mischief maker. The devising of folly is sin, and the scoffer is an abomination to all. May God not only bless his word, but bless its hearing by each of us. Please stand and continue worshiping with us this morning. Give thanks to the Lord, our God and King. His love endures forever. forever sing praise 
that we should seek the Lord's guidance and, and work to discipline ourselves. But this week should be a, a, a reminder that the one sure way to combat covetousness is through being thankful. Because when we're thankful, we're focused on what we have been gifted not what we need, not what we want. So this morning, as we pray together, as I lead us, there are many things that we need to petition the Lord and ask for intervention, ask for remedy. But this morning, just once, let's express prayers of thanks and be grateful. Let us pray. Lord, you've made yourself known to us, and you've given us new life in Jesus Christ. You've given us your word. You've given us a congregation which nurtures us. You've given us teachers to instruct us. Your revelation to us, Lord, brings us to you. Lord, you've given us families. And in the midst of these imperfect families, with people who can drive us to distraction, you've shaped our lives. You've allowed us to grow and become people that know you and can act responsibly in the world as your children. These families have given us physical, emotional, and spiritual life. Lord, we live in a nation that is far from perfect. With leaders and leadership that often doesn't serve us. But in this nation, We've been able to taste freedom. We've been able to pursue our own, own goals, and, and Lord, we've been able to serve you. We have had people give their lives for us, and people who daily risk their lives for us. People who don't even know us. 
and we don't even know them. In this week, that may not be like any other Thanksgiving week we've ever experienced, remind us each day how much we have received and how blessed we are. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Please stand and continue worshiping with us. faith can move the mountains, let the mountains move. We come with expectation, waiting here for you. Waiting here for you. Ooh. 
with our hands lifted high in praise and it's you we adore singing hallelujah singing Take your Bibles and open them with me to 2 Samuel. We're going to read, and our text this morning is going to be 2 Samuel 16 to 23. Let's hear the word of the Lord. As the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael, daughter of Saul, looked out of the window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord. And she despised him in her heart. They brought in the ark of the Lord and set it in its place inside the tent that David had pitched for it. And David offered burnt offerings and offerings of well-being before the Lord. When David had finished offering the burnt offerings and the offerings of well-being, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts and distributed food among all the people, the whole multitude of Israel, both men and women, to each a cake of bread, a portion of meat, and a cake of raisins. Then all the people went back to their homes. And David returned to bless his household. But Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, How the king of Israel honored himself today, uncovering himself today before the eyes of his servant maids as any vulgar fellow might shamelessly uncover himself. David said to Michael, It was before the Lord who chose me in place of your father and all his household to appoint me as prince over Israel, the people of the Lord that I have danced before the Lord. I will make myself yet more contemptible than this, and I will be abased in my own eyes. But by the maids of whom you have spoken, <coughs> by them I shall be held by, 
and honor. And Michael, the daughter of Saul, had no child the day of her death. This was a Thanksgiving day. The ark was being returned. It had been absent for a long time. And as I read this passage, I thought, this has all the elements of a Thanksgiving Day meal. At least in some households. Don't you have, don't you have a crazy uncle? I, my mother had an uncle who, family lore had it, that it is, as a six-month-old, he was blown out of the house by a tornado found the next morning a quarter of a mile away. Um, so they never knew what, if anything, that had to do with it, but they just knew he was a bit strange. As a 12-year-old, I went with my mother to their house, and we pulled in, and it was a long shotgun house out in the country across the road from woods. And just as we pulled back, we always went in the side door into the kitchen dining area in the back of the house. And we were going in, and just as we walked in the door, there was this boom from the front of the house. And as a good shotgun house would be, you could look down, and there the front door was open, and I saw my mom's uncle do a barrel roll across the porch. And mom looked at Aunt Martha, and she said, he's at it again. Kaboom, there was another one. He was convinced that there were people in the woods, and he, he had three 30-30s out there loaded, and it staged at very strategic places, and he knew that the house was about to be stormed, and um, so he would shoot one and roll to another one and shoot it so that they would think there was more than one person on the porch. He had put feed bags around the edge of the porch to, to give him cover. That's a crazy uncle. But you know, in his day and his time, he and his wife raised four children. They took care of each other, they loved each other, and they functioned. And the rest of us, not only did we love Uncle Virgil, but we have had great time telling stories about him ever since. That's just the first, we could, I don't have enough time. We've got to get out of here in a half an hour, and I have other things to say. But you got crazy uncles. I bet they're not at your house this, this week because of COVID. You'll miss them. There's going to be some contentious conversations at some tables this Thanksgiving. You think as contentious as the words between Michael and her husband, David? Well, let's find out why this all happened. In, in, in 1 Samuel 1, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 16, David was, um, was found by Samuel. David is the eighth son of Jesse. And Samuel anointed him king. 
while there was still a king on the throne. Became friends with Jonathan. David came to Saul either as a musician or because he'd killed Goliath or both. <coughs> it's not really, there's a couple of chapters there you could read it either way as one is the introduction. But, but we know that David came and, in, and Saul took to him. Saul loved him. Saul took him into his household. Saul sent to Jesse and said, this boy's staying with me. And David was so proficient in his ability to, to, to engage and fight the enemy that Saul eventually made him commander of his armies. And all these were skills that David had learned serving his father as a shepherd. And evidently, David was a fairly gifted man as well. And when he was anointed, the Spirit of the Lord came on him. David had a lot going for him. And it was probably good looking, I think, that, that it says. And then Saul tried to kill him. Saul became insanely jealous. The scripture says that, that evil, an evil spirit would come on Saul, and he would do these things. What did that, what, what was that? that put Saul into these unreasonable fits, and then it seemed he would be, I don't want to say ashamed, but, but at least regretting. If you've not had to deal with somebody like that, you're fortunate. And probably we've not had anyone chuck a spear at us, but we've had them throw words at us, or chairs. Well, you know, Saul had, had promised when Goliath was keeping the army at bay, Saul had promised that whoever killed Goliath would marry his daughter. That daughter was not Michael, as you might think. A more careful reading of 1 Samuel would indicate that that daughter's name was Mareba. She was Saul's first daughter. And even though David had completed what he had done, for whatever reason, and we're not told the reason, Saul married her to somebody else. So David married Michael. And then we soon have David on the run. Both Michael, who lets David down uh, out of a window in a basket, and Jonathan, who shoots arrows and warns him to flee from his father because he's in another one of these moods, both of these People inside of Saul's house love David enough that they act to protect him. And David flees. And David ends up on the run. He gathers people together around him. Evidently, there was a large number of people that were malcontents, that were not satisfied with the way the, the country was being run. And, and, and that's to be understood, times of, of transition. Saul was the first king. If you read 1 Samuel you'll see that even Samuel couldn't make up his mind about whether to support Saul or not. And so Saul, Saul had a rough way to go being the first one. 
David gathered people around him. They lived in the wilderness. They lived in Gath on the edge of, of, of uh, the Philistine territory. David served other kings and even spent time in Moab on the other side of the Dead Sea and ended up in the wilderness of Ziph, which is just south of Jerusalem. And on a couple of occasions, David has the opportunity to assassinate Saul. But he doesn't. David has a number of adventures. And while he's off having these adventures, <laughs> Saul, true to form, marries Michael off to a fellow by the name of Palti. Now, who would you rather be married to, David or Palti? I mean, not even knowing anything about, we don't know anything about Palti. He may have been a very fine fellow, and he clearly didn't want, um, he, he clearly valued his, his marriage to Michael because later when David demands that she be returned as part of the, the beginning of the healing process, he follows her, uh, weeping. He was not happy to lose Michael. But David was not letting grass grow under his feet. He got married to Abigail and Ahinoam. And Abigail was married to that guy, you know, that was a fool who wouldn't respond to David. Well, you know, I'm cramming years into just a few minutes here, and Jonathan and Saul get killed in a battle. And David is anointed king of Judah, but not Israel. One of Saul's sons is anointed king of Israel. And so the divided house that will eventually become divided later begins right now in this history. And while David is waiting for all this to happen, again, he's not letting grass grow under his feet. <clears throat> because while he's at Hebron and he's king, his firstborn, Amnon, is born. His mother is Ahinoam. And Chileb was born, and his mother is Abigail. Absalom is born, and his mother is Makaha. Adonijah was born, and his mother is Haggath. Shephtiah is born, and his mother is Abital. And Arethium is born, and his mother is Egla. <coughs> Reading between the lines, it appears that several of these marriages are politically oriented, and David begins a pattern that Saul, Samuel, I mean Solomon, will pick up and carry to great extent. Its extent. David is doing some things that aren't particularly wise. But 
What can you expect? He's in the middle of a war with Israel. War breaks out. When the, they sue for peace, he demands that Michael be returned, and David is then made king of all Israel. And then he captures Jerusalem. No one had captured Jerusalem all this time. From the time that they had entered, the Jebusites had lived there, and Jerusalem had remained an independent city. So after David is king of all Israel, he captures Jerusalem, and that's why it's the city of David. And he intends to set up his capital there, and he does. But there's one thing missing. The ark. It's been in the hands of the Philistines. It's been left in several different households. And David sets out to get it. That was at the beginning of this chapter we just read the middle verses of. He's bringing it back. And Yuza dies. We're not quite sure why. It's the, the, the translators have filled in the blank. It says they stuck out his hand, but that's not in the Hebrew. We don't know why he dies. So David leaves the ark for a while. And then goes back to get it. And the verses we read are his bringing the ark in for a day of thanksgiving in Jerusalem. Now, David's family is established in the midst of war. It's established in the midst of conflict. David is not an easy man to understand. That list of sons will eventually kill each other, revolt against David. Two of them will revolt against David. David's household is fraught with turmoil and potential danger. David hasn't been wise. Could, David could even say that life had not been fair to him. He was just a young guy out on the hillside minding his own business, tending the sheep. And this guy Samuel comes along and disrupts everything. I mean, he's the youngest, of, for goodness sakes. He may have had a, a good thing going. And Samuel comes along and disrupts his life. Life intervenes. Who else could have done more than Saul asked? And what did Saul do? He chucked a spear at him. Life had not been fair to David. But I'm telling you, David had made some unwise choices. Michael had evidently cared enough about him at one time to help him escape her father. But I don't know what happens to a spouse who knows that her father and her brother have been rejected and killed. And this man 
who has fathered all these other children by other women before he gets back to her and disrupt. And we don't know what her was going on. Um, in the meantime, she may have been happy. And now all of a sudden, she is plucked out of everything and she is back in Jerusalem. And here he comes up the hill. Maybe only dressed in um, very short pants, should we say? And he's dancing. And he is giving thanks. And he is rejoicing. And she looks out from her window and sees him and despises him. I don't know what the motions are going to be like at your house this week. I don't know what your past Thanksgivings have been. I don't know how many people are going to be sitting at your table thinking this is not fair. So-and-so isn't here because it isn't fair. <coughs> Some of you may have even been betrayed just like David was. Some of you may have made poor choices that have caused rupture in your family, just like David has. So can we have Thanksgiving like that? Can we be thankful in the midst of a life that isn't perfect? Can we be thankful in the midst of a mess of our own creation? Can we be thankful in the midst of a mess of other people's creation? Can we be thankful when people are not treating us fairly? Can we be thankful when life has not got to the place we expected it to get to? David did. We can make a shopping list of David's faults, and we're going to see that most of the things that happens to David later in his life is because he is a lousy husband, a lousy father, and at times has questionable judgment as a king. He murders a man in order to get his wife. We haven't even talked about Solomon and Bathsheba yet. And somehow, somehow, somehow he is known as the friend of God. Because he was a man after God's heart. Clearly not always. Clearly not with great consistency at times. But whenever he lost that thread, he came back to it. And so why could David... Rejoice and give thanks because by now and continually he will experience the forgiveness of God and be restored to the relationship that God had intended for him to have. 
And that isn't just something David gets to have. You and I get to have the very same thing. You and I get to be forgiven by God. You and I get to forgive others. You and I get to be forgiven by others. Forgiveness is the ability for life to continue. Because if we can't forgive, then we're murderers. We may not kill somebody, but we're likely to kill something, probably a relationship. David was able to be known, despite all these things that I've laid out for you, and many that we haven't even got to, David was known as the friend of God because he was. Now, if you don't have anything to be thankful of that you can think of right now, you can be thankful for the fact that God loves you, God has redeemed you, and God forgives you, and you ain't even perfect yet. Or me too, I'm not either. You know, this, this Thanksgiving didn't deserve a sweet, honey-drip Thanksgiving message of all that we have to be grateful for. This Thanksgiving requires us to go in to it with clear-headed, open eyes and a realistic assessment that the world isn't perfect. That we've got a pandemic that is staring down our throats, sometimes literally, ready to inhabit them. We've got a political situation that nobody seems to want to figure out. The world ain't perfect. Neither are we. But what is perfect is the love that God extends to us and has demonstrated to us. And the links that God has gone to to make himself known to us so that you and I can be restored from the tragedies of our lives, the failures of our lives, and the sin that we invite into our lives. And for that, we should be thankful. And with that, with that kernel of thanks, we can look across the table. We can look into the computer screen and via Zoom or whatever else meeting <laughs> um, um, software you're using, look into the faces of the people that you love. the people that you're staying away from because you love them, that are staying away from you because they love you. And be thankful. I don't know what Christmas is going to bring. And as I was seriously considering this passage for, for Thanksgiving, I thought, what in the world are we going to have to say about Christmas or New Year's? And Lord, help us if we're still talking about this at Easter. But we will be.
So let us be thankful that God is with us and that God has given us the common sense to know that we need to take care of others and that God will be with us tomorrow. He has given us a gift of today and the ability to anticipate and plan for tomorrow. The Lord is good. Let us pray. I don't know, Lord, that is as realistic and frank as Scripture is. That leaves characters hanging out there, warts and all. But Lord, that's just because your spirit is inspiring us with life. I am thankful for these people who are here this morning, either in the room or via the miracles of technology. I am thankful for your people who are gathered in similar ways around this globe today. I am thankful to be a part of the body of Christ and to anticipate the new life in you that continues to emerge and that will emerge today, tomorrow, and all of our tomorrows. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Please stand and worship with us on this song.
Let us be dismissed with Paul's words to the church in Rome. Now to God, who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the proclamation of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but is now disclosed, and through the prophetic writings is made known to all the Gentiles, according to the command of the eternal God, to bring about the obedience of faith. To the only wise God, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever. Amen. May God dismiss us um, into a week of thankfulness and service. You're dismissed.